It's the Americhicks with Kim Munson, the most important story. The Washington Times said the patriotic Americans donated U.S. flags after protesters raised the Mexican flag over the ICE facility. The latest in politics and world affairs. It is not fair that that people come in illegally and they have three square meals a day, TVs and all. There's something that is wrong with this picture. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. When we get into conversations with people, you can get real bombastic with each other because you haven't read it. You don't know what you're talking about. It's the Americhicks dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. So if you understand the issue, then you can have calm, reasonable conversations. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Let's have a conversation. Thrilled today to be having a conversation with Susan Kochevar. She's an entrepreneur. She's the owner of the historic 88 Drive-In Theater. You are a valued partner of the Americhicks. It's great to have you in studio, Susan. Thank you. Good to be here. And uh, you're also, you've been uh, an author. You've been in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah, I don't know. You must not sleep. Ran for office. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of busy. Well, it's great to have you in, in studio. We're going to be talking about a couple of things. Social Security, the big picture on Social Security, as well as structuring, and who knows where else it's going to go. But, uh, you know, Susan, one of the things that that we always, we're trying to just drill this down is that socialism is force. Ultimately, at some point in time, it becomes force. And so the questions out there, when you're looking at, uh, at, at a piece of legislation or an ordinance or a variety of things, it's freedom versus force, force versus freedom. And that is another one of the reasons uh, why we are doing Vino and Veritas uh, Wine and Truth, the study of the Federalist Papers, which you were our very first sponsor on that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. But it's so important to know why we believe what we believe. It is. Absolutely. Read history. Read people like George Orwell. Read Atlas Shrugged. Or read these things and know your history. That's for sure, because it is never compassionate to take other people's rights, property, or freedom via force, whether it's with a weapon policy or unpredictable and excessive taxation and uh, so there's three questions that uh, millennial steve kessler phd says you know when we're talking with people first of all if somebody is advocating for something we say do you have any skin in the game Mm-hmm. Secondly, um, are we bringing people up or are we yanking people down? So uh, with socialism, you have to yank people down to bring them all to the same level. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, uh, in uh, a free markets capitalism where freedom is, there are things that become Ill, uh, unequal. But typically there you see people continue to kind of move up mm-hmm. uh, in the economic structure. And so are we bringing people up or are we yanking them down? And then the last thing, you felt good, but did you do good? What were those long-term results? Yes. And that might be, you know, we're going to talk about Social Security. I mean, I think they felt pretty good when they put that in place. But what is going on with the big picture on that now? And uh, so, Susan, we're seeing kind of a socialization via public policy on transportation, energy, energy, housing and water. That's why we have these conversations every day. So important. And uh, before we get totally into it, thank you to producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith and Charlie for all your support and good work. And to you, the listeners, thank you for listening listening. Each of you, you're valued, treasured, and you are here for a purpose. And uh, so for our inspiration today, Roy T. Bennett from The Light in the Heart says, when the going gets tough, put put one foot in front of the other and just keep going. Don't give up. And uh, so again, when the going gets tough, put one foot in front of the other and just keep going. Don't give up. And Susan, 
Actually, this is very apropos because there is candy at the 80 at Draven Theater, right? There is. Okay. And we're going to talk about Social Security. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is, uh, this is uh, something I hope you find some humor in. As fast as time is going, Halloween is right around the corner. And that is the best time to teach your kids about taxes and Social Security. You take away 30% of their Halloween candy, and then you promise to give it back to them in 70 years. Yep. (laughs) So let's go ahead and let's jump into it here. Social Security. You know, a lot of people you know, on an individual portfolio, they're planning on it. It's been promised. Uh, you know, as I look at it, though, you know, under our watch, the Social Security Trust Fund was rated. And under our watch, we've incurred a whole bunch of debt. And under our watch, we are thinking uh, or we are presenting the next generation with a big fat IOU. I don't think that's really virtuous. And I, I think that uh, you were thinking about that as well. I was, yeah. Um, one of the things that concerns me a lot, I hear, I have heard um, financial planners say, uh, Social Security actually, uh, on, on for the most part, on balance, um, is not too bad in the market for individuals, and um, you know, so it's a it's a good thing for them. But there's a lot that's missing from that picture. And what is that, Susan Kochevar? One of the biggest things that's missing from that picture is you cannot see the opportunity costs. And opportunity costs are actually a gigantic loss. Those are the things that would have been developed or paid out had that person not had that Social Security money taken from them. Um, so as a small business owner, if um, and I have to pay both halves of my personal Social Security, as do all the others, uh, that results. So you're in a, paying. Um, what is it? About twelve percent. Yeah. Okay. Twelve yeah, percent of my income for that. Yeah. So what happens is all that money that I pay in, and that I match for my employees could either go to pay my employees more for me to expand my business, offer extra services to customers. They're lost opportunities. How many people with their own being able to retain their own Social Security uh, and Medicare could invest for themselves, could start their own business? People know best how to spend their own money. And uh, thinking that the government can be a big nanny and collect this money and protect it for people, which it has not done, is really a big um Loss. It's it's uh, it's an illusion. The government can't care care for you. It can't take care of you, and it cannot know what you need. But Susan, playing devil's advocate just a little bit, uh, and I think this has been the argument uh, regarding Social Security, is there's some people that A, won't save, Mm -hmm. or B, just aren't smart enough. And so that is why uh, we need to have this government program of Social Security. How would you respond to that? That it's not helping those people. We have more homeless people than ever. When Social Security was very first implemented, one of the things we're supposed to do is keep people from, as they get really old, uh, perishing in the... uh, Gutter? Gutter, yeah. But I have never seen any pictures of all the people that were perishing in the gutter back then. But now, but now, you know, we actually do have, have, I mean, it's amazing to me, our cities, you know, some of our beautiful, great cities, now it's like third world countries going through some of them. I mean, did you ever dream that we would have people lying in the gutter and people defecating on the streets? Mm-mm. I mean, I don't recall seeing that when I was, was young. No, and the problem is getting worse and it's destroying businesses, uh, you know, and you can't these people camping outside of a food restaurant, um, wasting, leaving their waste in front of the restaurant. That's really, really not healthy, and that's damaging somebody's private property. Uh, 
a better way to deal with society ills are private charities. They monitor the money. They know the people that they are helping. Uh, they know if they're drug addicts. That's a much better way to help people than to try to set up a government program. Obviously, the money doesn't get to these people, and it's been stolen long before we were born. Well, and you know, these government programs that you're mentioning is the elites, the bureaucrats, the politicians and interested parties, they are making money on that. You know, years ago, you know, and and it's really been within the last 20, 25 years that we moved away from the word charity to nonprofit. And the word nonprofit was supposed to be more altruistic. These people were working for a nonprofit. So in essence, you know, the implication was they were more altru- more virtuous, more altruistic mm-hmm. yep. than everybody else. But then I did a lot of volunteer work for nonprofits. So I would work, you know, do my job. Mm-hmm. I would take care of my kids. And then I would volunteer my time because that's what I thought that citizens did. Right. But then when I got on some of these boards and I started to see uh, that many of these people that are running these nonprofits are making six-figure salaries, yeah. Pensions, uh, and they don't have to have results then. No. It's just keeping the program going. So now what you've seen when government gets involved in the business, because there's a lot of nonprofits that are living off of government grants. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then what you see is that the results don't matter so much, but they don't solve the problem. So we have been putting, uh, I call it the homelessness industrial complex or the mm-hmm. affordable housing industrial complex well, what you're seeing is is that housing is getting less affordable, mm-hmm. and we're getting more homelessness. Yep. So go figure. Well, all that money goes into these nonprofits, and it has to be administered. So you have to pay all these people, and only a small percentage gets to the people they're actually trying to help. And you know what? Just a little accounting thing that I realized as well is you would see some of these nonprofits would say, only 5% goes to administrative costs. But that was for just the top executive arena right there. What they did then is with all the staff is they put those costs, those uh, salaries and all, into the cost of the program. Mm-hmm. So they imply that that money is actually going to help that person, but it's going to hire somebody to navigate all the stuff. you know. And uh, so I, I, it took me a while to figure yeah. it out. And I could feel my blood pressure getting higher and higher as that yeah. happened. <laughs> so, But we're talking about Social Security. Social Security uh, initially was sold to people, put in place as uh, just kind of a safety net, right? Yep, and it's expanded exponentially and it pays for all kinds of things it was never intended to pay for. So now what we have is a giant wealth transfer from young people to old people uh, because there are so few workers to uh, every person drawing Social Security now. So when Social Security was put in place, uh, it was, uh, first of all, not supposed to go above a certain tax. Mm-hmm. Now, I was just thinking about you. You are not only paying 12.5% Social Security, you're paying Medicare, mm-hmm. and you're paying income tax, mm-hmm. and you're trying to keep this, you know, get this, keep this business going. And, and when you're doing your business, you're actually employing people. Mm-hmm. This is a heck of a squeeze. It is. Yeah, and when they keep raising minimum wage, uh, Social Security and Medicare are a percentage of that, so those costs go up as well. So when you talk about, you know, like this January 
uh, minimum wage in Colorado will go up another dollar. We'll finally hit the $12 mark. So I have to pay everyone 90 cents more. And then um, Social Security and Medicare will be higher as well. And that's, you know, that's the other thing that's really frustrating about this is people are not going to be paid more because they're doing a better job. Mm-hmm. It's because, because government is coming in and forcing, which is that's the conversation that we always need to think about. Yeah. Freedom versus force, force versus freedom. So, Susan, uh, we have Susan Kochevar in studio as the guest uh, chick today, and she, you know her. She is the owner of the historic 88 Drive-In Theater. And uh, before we go to break, though, it is summertime, and Hooters is the spot to be this summer. Enjoy Hooters beach-worthy seafood items like amazing fish tacos, delicious snow crab legs, and mouth-watering buffalo shrimp. And Hooters has plenty of ice-cold beer options to help you cool down this summer. And I love their lunch special, nine items for nine 11 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. You can choose from nine delicious menu items such as fr- fish and shrimp tacos, salads, cheeseburger, Philly cheesesteak, and of course their boneless wings. So that's for dine-in, but if you want to pick something up to take home, you can do that. Get your Hooters to go, or you can have it delivered right to your front door. More information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. We'll be right back. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. So thrilled to have in studio with me Susan Kochevar. She is the owner of the historic 88 Drive-In Theater. She's a, a valued uh, uh, partner of the AmeriChicks. It's great to have you here, Susan. Thank you. And uh, we're going to do something really fun. Mm-hmm. On Friday, August 16th, uh, I'm going to be out there working the snack bar, helping out. So it's going to be AmeriChicks night. Night at uh, the 88 Drive-In Theater. I am so excited about that. It's be fun. I'll teach you how to pop some popcorn and flip some burgers and draw some drinks. Sounds great. Popcorn is one of my favorite meals. Will I have to pay for all my pop popcorn, or will I get a little bit for free? Well, it depends on how much you sweep the floor. It's, well, I, I shouldn't say for free. I promise I will work for my popcorn. How does that sound? Because you and I both yep. believe in not giving stuff away for free, but f- uh, unless it's charitable, we make that decision. Yep. Um, so let's let's jump back in here. We're talking about Social Security. And Susan, I, I am just so concerned about this big, fat IOU that we are giving the next generation. You know, we've, you and I, uh, you're also a partner, uh, the initial sponsor on Vino and Veritas. And it's important that we understand why we believe what we believe. But as we look throughout history, the American idea is people have, have put their lives on the line, blood and treasure, to pass something good on to the next generation, mm-hmm. to pass on freedom, to pass on a government that protects their rights, their the rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. 
how have we gotten to a point where we are thinking about passing on a big fat IOU to the next generation? It's almost un-American to me. Uh, it's, it's terrible. It's completely unconstitutional, really. Um, you know, they were, they had this fight over Social Security at the Supreme Court, and uh, unfortunately, the citizens lost. You know, they said, well, you know, it, it's a tax, so we're not forcing you to buy um, retirement insurance. You're, it's a tax, and that, that's they get this through. Well, and how they sold it to people was initially that it wouldn't go above a certain percentage uh, of your income, but we see that continuing to go up. And then also back during that time, most people didn't live past the age of 65. So you can make a promise to somebody, because, but, but with the uh, advent of of medical technology, people are now living into their 90s, 95, 100. And so that means they're drawing on Social Security for a long time. long time. And so that's put a real squeeze on it. And so instead of really having the hard conversations about um, Social Security, we have not done that. We've had people on both sides of the aisle, Democrats and Republicans, that they've just kicked this can down the road. And now we have $22 trillion in debt. You know, we're going to be bumping on 23 here soon. And one of the reasons is because of Social Security. Right. They, they make people uh, feel guilty. Oh, you know, um, and people are compassionate. They feel bad. Uh, you know, oh, there's these elderly people and, and they need this retirement money. And they're not smart enough to save for themselves. It's, people really are. It's just. They really are. It's 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 such a. They've been sold such a bag of goods. It's awful. So, But what Social Security turned into was a gigantic slush fund for the government. The money's gone. Right. They raided the, the uh, quote-unquote, the Social Security Trust Fund. And so now it's basically, um, I think it's kind of a Ponzi scheme it in is. as much as you know, how people are receiving their Social Security checks now is because you have workers over here putting money in. So there isn't this big fund there. Mm-hmm. It's just taking from here over to here. And with Social Security, back in 1945, there was 41 workers for every retiree. Mm-hmm. Now we're at, I think, about 2.5 workers right. for every retiree. I mean, it's going to be to a point soon that you're going to be support, trying to support yourself and you're supporting a retiree. Yeah, it's a, it's a complete wealth transfer system, and we're going to have to find our way out of it somehow. Uh, one of the things I think that should be done is to give some people the opportunity to uh, stop participating. There are some people who would be fine with, uh, no, just cut me off. Let the people who are currently receiving Social Security get it and cut me off. I'll be fine. Let me keep my own money. I can I can pull myself up by my bootstraps and I can do okay. So and, now what about the Social Security tax? So how would that work out for a person that would say, I'm, you know, I, I want to take care of myself? How, how do you see that working? Well, we're going to have to eventually cut it off. You cannot keep taxing people that much. The opportunity costs are, are massive. So you let some people out of it, and as other people, you're probably going to have to do some sort of step-down system because they, they've lived most of their lives re, uh, relying on this false promise. Mm-hmm. And um, when you get this far into something, it doesn't matter what you do. Ripping off that Band-Aid is going to be painful in some places. Well, and I'm thinking perhaps what we do is, uh, I mean, I think it would be great to just do a 5% cut across the board on on government spending across the board. Mm -hmm. If we had the federal government, state, 
you know, county and local governments, everybody just take a 5% haircut. You'd feel it a little bit, but that would be a good place to start. I mean, I think that would make a huge difference. I think so, too. Quickly, yeah. Oh, and opportunity costs. You hit upon that. And people, you know, they like to look at this, you know, they get the statement and they say, okay, you're going to get X amount of dollars each each month when you retire. And they like to look at that. Para does it too. Yep. And boy, that looks pretty great. The other thing on opportunity costs, I just thought of this. You were mentioning about the money. But what about the opportunity costs of people that they see that pension mm-hmm. and that's all they're trying to get to is that pension. How about the opportunity costs of them going after their hopes and dreams? What do you think about that? Right. Yeah, they're, they're looking at that. And so they don't try to do anything else. Oh, you know, I'll get all this money when um, when I retire. And uh, so so there's those kind of opportunity costs as well. It's a gigantic loss. All of the beautiful things that come out of someone's mind that they can, um, sometimes out of necessity, but that they can design and build. Those are the things that lift all boats and all and, that's lost. And and that is really from the founding of uh, America till about the early 1900s mm-hmm. when Woodrow Wilson got in. And they started to make all these promises. And, of course, we got some of the progressive uh, amendments into the Constitution at that time. One of them was the income tax. Yes. You know, and one thing, if you want less of something, you tax it. Mm -hmm. So if you want people making less income, you tax it. Mm -hmm. And so if you want, and one of the the barometers of income is if somebody in a free, free market, if they come up with a great idea or a great service that people are willing to freely trade their money for, Mm -hmm. then this person might have more income because they are more creative and more innovative. And so when you start to tax that, you start to reduce uh, that creativity and innovation. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and we've really stunted, I think, our creativity. You know, there's roadblocks for everything you do anymore. We are now a permission-based society. So you can't go live your dream. You've got to go make sure you have permits and permission from all the appropriate boards and commissions. And you know what that does is uh, I think that people, law-abiding citizens, they want to they don't want to do something wrong. They want to, you know, mm-hmm. abide by the the law, if you will. But we've moved away from our representative government mm-hmm. into an administrative state, and they put in rules and regulations. And um, I think you, one of our conversations, you had mentioned a book about like several felonies a day or something. Three felonies a day, right? There's, yeah, yeah. We're all we're all lawbreakers. We don't right. even know it. Oh, it gets absolutely absurd. All of the things that you're supposed to do. And and um, eventually, people, there's so many hoops, people just don't try. They stop. To your point, opportunity cost. Mm-hmm. Huge. And uh, there's just something, and, and it can seem scary, it can seem risky, but if you can free this up and let people you know, go after their life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. We saw so much creativity from the founding of our country up until, you know, the early 1900s. I would venture to say to you, Susan, that in some ways we are still living off the fruits oh, yeah. of that, that first part of our founding. Uh, and uh, Dennis Prager, I think, has called it a cut flower society. You know, it all looks nice and pretty right now, but it doesn't have roots. Mm -hmm. And that's why we need to have this important conversation about Social Security, because it's unsustainable as as it is now. And I think, you know, it would hurt a bit, but I think a 5% haircut just across the board on all government would be a good place to start. 
Yep, I think so too. Okay, so we're going to go to break here in just a little bit. Uh, and we're going to talk about something that is important to you, and that is structuring. But we've got just a couple of minutes, so I'm going to throw you a curveball here. What would you say are a couple of your favorite books that you would recommend to people to read? I would read Atlas Shrugged. I would read George Orwell's 1984. It, it's quite frightening, and you can see the parallels. Um, there's a good book, another um, Ayn Rand book called um, We the Living. Some of those books are really good if you want to see where we're, where we're headed. Um, read lots of history. A lot of history, that's for sure. So, um, yeah, I tell you what, we're going to go to break. When we come back, let's talk about something that you have uh, brought my attention to, and that is something called structuring. And be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com. Sign up for my emails. We will keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests, topics, and important events. And so we're going to go to break. I have in studio with me Susan Kojavar, owner of the historic 88 Drive-In Theater. We'll be right back. Hey, this morning we're talking with John Buckingham with Presidential Wealth Management. And uh, in this whole conversation, uh, debt is one of the things that is being incurred with Social Security and all these different things, John Buckingham. What about this national debt? Well, I think that we have obviously concerns with the debt ceiling, number one. They're talking about needing to raise it again because, once again, they've outspent revenue. So when we're looking at the total debt right now, we have the ability to pay it off. So there isn't a great concern, but it is putting a big concern on the future generations and what they're going to face in terms of having to pay this back. Because eventually somebody has, somebody to, pay has to pay it back. Yes. You know, I think it's irresponsible on this generation right now that we think that we're going to pass on this big, fat IOU to the next generation. And now, of course, we're talking about increasing the national debt again. Uh, What's your thoughts about that? Well, I mean, they have to do it right now. Otherwise, we run into a crisis of not being able to pay the bills that are current. So increasing the national debt. So they're going to need to increase it. But I think the big thing with the government um, since Eisenhower, really, Every single year since Ike, we've raised the national debt year over year in a fiscal sense. And so even at the height of conservative... Uh, it's both sides of the aisle. Well, it really is. And even in 98, 99, when we were really focused on balancing the budget and coming close, I think in 2000, the debt increased like $18 billion, which really is inconsequential relative to the to overall what's debt. what's going on now. But, you know, again, it, it's all about the spending. You know, they can't get that under control and, and they've they got to. Yeah, they have to. Otherwise, either they have to raise taxation to cover that or they have to cut spending. It's one of those two. And so it's how do they do that? Yeah. And so there's a lot of chaos in Washington, D.C. But, John Buckingham, you and your colleagues at Presidential Wealth Management uh, are really helping p- calm the seas for people with their own personal economy because you sit down with them on an individual level. Correct. We want to make sure that each individual out there or couple that we're working with is protected against all the chaos that we've been seeing in D.C. and how that affects the overall markets, whether it's the stock market, bond market, real estate, whatever you're in, we want to make sure that your portfolio is protected as best as possible to make sure that you have the retirement that you're looking for. Well, and John Buckingham, you guys are doing great work over there at Presidential Wealth Management. So for more information, check out chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. And John, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Sounds good. Talk to you then. Are you looking for news, not propaganda? Ready for a news source you can actually trust? How about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription? Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. 
Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. Updated three times a day, CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do, as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the Americhicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And now introducing Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson with the Americhicks would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland for sponsoring the new Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins. In Denver and Castle Rock, Kim would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Denver and YourTownTaxpayers.com for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today at Americhicks.com. Social media is important to the Americhicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Thrilled to have in studio with me is my guest chick, Susan Kochevar, entrepreneur, owner of the 88 Drive-In Theater and uh, author. It's just great to have you here. Thank you. And I really appreciate your partnership. Thank you. And because of that, we're going to do something really fun on Friday, August 16th. I get to come and help out at the snack bar. Sounds fun. I can't wait. So, <laughs> but but let's uh, let's move into let's have a conversation about structuring. What is structuring exactly, Susan? Structuring is making cash deposits in a way to avoid triggering financial institutions to file a report to the IRS. So what that means is if you're making a series of small cash deposits, uh, then and the that some teller decides that they need to file a suspicious activity report, the IRS can snatch all of your stuff. Really? Really. So uh, I have been terrified of this for uh, 20 plus years. I accidentally came across um, this idea of structuring, and it was something that they said they were putting in place to stop money, money laundering, you know, from like drug dealers or other types of financial fraud. But um, that's just absurd. Well, you know, the thing about it, Susan, is you see arguments made for for laws or rules or regulations that come in with force, because what you're describing is force, Mm -hmm. where they would forcibly come in. And and so they say uh, that they're doing this to protect people, to fight the drug wars. I remember on the Patriot Act when that was being kind of sold to us. 
And I'm thinking, I'm looking at it from a constitutional standpoint and due process and privacy. And I'm like, I don't think I feel really comfortable with that. But okay, if it's to keep us safe. Keep us safe. And you know what? I now look back and say, we should have said no. We should have said no. So here, there's been an argument that has been made. And so it must be a law or a rule or regulation. IRS regulation, yeah. Okay. Uh, IRS, so not by an elected board. Mm -mm, No. Okay. And uh, under the um, narrative of uh, trying to find people that are doing money laundering or drug money, Mm -hmm. they've put in this place called structuring. And so if a business is putting in cash deposits, they're monitoring it. Somebody could report them, Mm -hmm. a teller. Yeah. And they could seize your assets. Seize your assets. That's what they were doing. And every small business, almost all of them, I would uh, wager, have small deposits, mm-hmm. anything under $10,000. So, you know, you're a hairdresser and you're doing your job and, and you don't want to collect all that money up to $10,000 and then make a deposit, which then gets reported to the IRS. You're not trying to go around the reporting. You're taking that money to the bank well, every single to, day. You want to get it there, yeah. To pay your bills for safety. Mm-hmm. You don't want to, you know, save it up and cart all that money to the bank. Um, so this is most uh, small, small business businesses. depositors. Yeah, and this comes under uh, civil forfeiture laws that these uh, that the IRS can just seize your stuff because you are suspected of criminal activity. They don't have to charge you. They don't have to give you your property back. Nothing. They just seize. Ever? Nope. Oh, my gosh. Nope. So you can imagine if you're running a small business and the next thing that happens to you is your assets are seized just out of the blue. Because they've decided you have done something, you might have done something wrong. Uh, all your checks start bouncing. This is, also means you can't pay your employees, you can't pay your suppliers. It has a huge, horrible trickle-down effect. So this, the mother that's working for the convenience store that's relying on her paycheck, suddenly the convenience store can't pay her because their assets were seized. And this has happened to you know. Uh, dairy farm in Maryland. It's happened to small grocery stores. The problem is uh, massive. I've never really realized that. No, nobody does. There's so many, we have so many laws like this that people aren't even aware of. And they hit segments of the the population in such a way that it's hard to get a giant groundswell to get it stopped. It's like a thousand cuts. Okay. On that, um, I just said Google this. I I hope I can get this. But this was uh, from the New York Times. I don't think I'm going to be able I don't have an account there. So I was just looking at the headline. But back in February, the Supreme Court had limited the police powers to seize private property. And this was in New York Times, February uh, 20th, 2019. So the practice known as civil forfeiture Mm -hmm. is a popular way to raise revenue and is easily abused and has been the subject of, of widespread criticism across the political spectrum. And I think the court... Uh, ruled against that, uh, against the uh, the police being able to take that or the government being able to take that. That's pretty good news. It is, it's extremely good news. You know, we've been fighting this in Colorado for many years. We had uh, Senator Laura Woods, who kept running a, a bill to stop the police from civil asset forfeiture. And when I went to the committee hearing, who had arrived very early before the meeting even started and filled the first two rows of seats? All the law enforcement with their badges. 
They were all there to say, well, without civil asset forfeiture, without being able to stop people and just seize their cars and things and then sell them, uh, we can't... uh, we won't be able to fund um, child trafficking um, squads and stuff like this. And I remember Senator Kevin Lundberg stood up and threw his uh, constitution on the dais and said, this is unconstitutional. If you need additional funding, you come to the legislature. You don't steal from citizens for additional funding. And uh, unfortunately, um, that bill died, and um, some Republicans were responsible for that. Okay, Uh, so this is something that is, okay, going back to government being able to take your property. The other thing that has been so inherent and so important about the whole American idea is private property rights. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't really aware of this. You know, I've heard a a bit about it. I I saw the Supreme Court ruling on that. But uh, Senator Lundberg is absolutely correct, is that these uh, entities that we've hired as citizens to, say, in law enforcement, I actually, I wonder where it changed from a peace officer to law enforcement. Mm -hmm. It used to be peace officer. And uh, when we talk about law enforcement, we want to make sure that the laws that they're enforcing are constitutional laws. And so I don't know quite where that changed or not, but to Kevin Lundberg's point is if these different entities want more money, they need to come and ask for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's another one of the great things about Tabor that's so important yes. is that says, hey, you know, if you want to raise our taxes, you really need to make the case for it. Yep. And we might say yes. But we might say no, and they're so concerned that they that might say no. There's going to be a real big effort to get rid of Tabor. There absolutely is, yeah. Yep. Okay, so more about this. I know I got us off over here. You've got me thinking about so many different things. So tell me more about structuring. So uh, one of the things, at, you know, with this, this has been in place for nearly 20 years, and uh, they did a study. So between 2005 and 2012, the IRS seized $200 million from just 2,100 cases. And in uh, almost half of those cases, uh, they seized $35,000 or less. So we're not even talking about people who had... But that makes a difference to a small business person, big It'll time. It'll destroy you. And, and then you have to get um, an attorney to fight it. Now, the Institute for Justice has been um, all over trying to help small businesses uh, fight back in court and draw attention to the issue. So th- do you think that that had any effect on that Supreme Court uh, decision at all? I'm sure it, that, that, that probably I think that the um, Institute for Justice has been busy writing amicus briefs. Okay. So that informs the court on on some of the things that are happening. They did um, an audit of the IRS and and found out that in 278 cases, 91% of those had no evidence whatsoever of illegal activity. Now that's just, it just says no evidence of illegal activity. So the other uh, 9% um, might have had some perceived evidence. Perceived, but that, you know, perception is different than reality. And the most important point about this and uh, red flag laws and all of this other stuff, it highlights the importance of due process. You can't just take somebody's stuff. You've got to uh, take them to court and prove that they are guilty. They don't have to prove they're innocent because you can't prove you're innocent. You have to prove them guilty, and they have no proof, merely than the person's just making small deposits. It, it, that's that's most small businesses, and again, the trickle down effect is is horrific. You know, I talked about 
the mother needing uh, food for her child, mm-hmm. and the business had their assets seized, so they can't pay her. Um, I mean, it's just exponential. That the what about the the supplier you can't pay, who's hired all these delivery guys, mm-hmm. who's supporting families or opening their own businesses or going to school or whatever they're doing, they suddenly can't get paid. What a terrible thing uh, to do. So what can we do about getting rid of this, Susan? Well, I think that this um, law that was just signed uh, by the president last week, uh, taxpayers' uh, bill first, taxpayers' first bill, is one step. Uh, the other thing we need to do is start start really significantly cutting back the power of the IRS. These folks have 80,000-plus pages of IRS code. They can come get you anytime they want. How many people out there knew about structuring before we talked about this today and who have been in business for a long time? I'm going to wager very few. I accidentally stumbled across it, and it scared the life out of me that, that they could do this to me. Well, and to that point, here you have um, bureaucrats. So these are not our representatives, but the IRS that's writing 80,000 pages of rules and regulations, which every one of us is breaking something in there. And then what happens is, is that unelected bureaucrat or bureaucracy, they can then decide who they are going to enforce those rules and regulations on and who they don't. And uh, again, under the American idea, we're supposed to all be equal under the law. And, And shame on the politicians that kick the can down the road and are creating all of these different bureaucracies mm-hmm. and the administrative state instead of and because they want to get reelected. Yeah. And so they don't want to make the hard decisions. They can push it over here onto a, uh, a bureaucracy. And then, you know, we have seen different. You know, I remember under the Obama administration, the IRS would then use their power to decide which organization could be a nonprofit and which wouldn't. My solution on that, Susan Kochevar, is um, that we um, we get rid of uh, or lower our, our income tax significantly mm-hmm. and that we uh, move back to just having people give money to charities. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. So we're going to go to break here in just just a moment. And speaking of tax, we were talking about taxes. And there's going to be an all-out assault on Tabor, the taxpayer bill of rights out here in Colorado. And Natalie Minton is sponsoring through a Colorado Engaged, a taxpayer's bill of rights boot camp. It's a training. It's August 3rd at the Lakewood Library, which is out at... Uh, 10200 West 20th Avenue. It'll be from 11 to 2 p.m. with a 1030 check-in time. And she's asking for $20 from each of you to cover the cost of the booklet, the refreshments, T-shirt. And you can sign up for this training at coloradoengaged.com. That's coloradoengaged.com. And uh, get your brain around this because there's a big fight. And taxpayers, uh, the Tabor, the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights has been one of the reasons that we've been able to at least keep government spending in somewhat control here in Colorado. So this is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. We'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect your private property rights. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped to organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. 
Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. So call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person and children under 12 are free. Friday, July 19th through Thursday, July 25th, features will include The Lion King, Toy Story 4, and Spider-Man Far From Home. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steaming cup of hot chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. And thrilled to have in studio with me, Susan Kochevar, the owner of the historic 88 Drive-In Theater. I can't wait. I get to come out and work the snack bar. That'll be on Friday, August 16th. So come out and see us. Yeah, it's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a lot of fun. and uh, But we're talking about serious stuff right now, Susan Kochevar. I mean, you are, you know, you're always thinking about, you know, the question that we talk about, freedom versus force, mm-hmm. force versus freedom. Uh, there's been this narrative out there that many of our young people think that socialism is social. Uh, actually, socialism comes down to force. Yes. And uh, structuring, we talked about this this last segment, and this can really affect small businesses. Explain some more about this whole structuring thing. So if you're depositing uh, under $10,000 to make a series of these, sometimes even withdrawing money, uh, and you for some reason draw the attention of the teller, they send in a um, a SARS report, which is a suspicious activity report. And I imagine there's, I, as I understand it from some of the reading, it looks like banks have to send in a certain number per month. <laughs> no, really? Yeah. So they're turning people in for this. And uh, if the IRS, for whatever reasons, decides that they want your account, they can just seize it. And we've seen that in at least 91% of the cases, there was no illegal activity or there was even no evidence in 91%. Yeah. Okay. So it's just, it's. Um, now let me back up. So, but those assets had been seized. Seized. Okay. You can't get them back. You can't, you, there's no appeal. There's nothing. You, you, so that's but, why this private. But, but when they were determined there was no evidence of criminal activity, they got the money back, right? Nope. No, you don't get your money back. You don't get anything back. Uh, that's why the Institute for Justice took up this case and has been fighting for uh, taxpayers so they can get their money back. Uh, the, the, if you're looking ever for a group to uh, contribute to, I recommend the Institute for Justice. Uh, they have been helping uh, lots of small business owners pro bono with this kind of stuff and push things forward um, to the Supreme Court, through the courts uh, to get it stopped. Okay, I'm still, this is a, a bit of a head scratcher to me. I guess I, I mean, it seems like common sense to me that, first of all, this is very dangerous that, mm-hmm. you know, you, you could have these assets um, seized. But when they figured out there was no evidence, I, I mean, I can't believe they don't give your money back to you. Nope. Uh, that's what this taxpayer first um, bill that was just signed by the president last week does. Uh, it now says the IRS must show probable cause before they seize your assets. 
Okay, that's good. That's yeah, that's huge. I can't imagine how structuring ever got passed through our Congress in the first darn place. It's so unconstitutional. Um, It also has provisions in there uh, to protect whistleblowers. So if there's somebody working for the IRS and they know somebody is abusing their power or they didn't like somebody or they, you know, wanted maybe maybe you have somebody who's starting a business and they have a friend who's in the IRS and there's a competitor and they want to shut that business competitor down. They just go after that one. I mean, the the door is so wide open for abuse and capriciousness on the part of bureaucrats. It's it's extremely dangerous. Uh, There are provisions in the law that um, actually uh, say that uh, citizens who've had their assets seized must have a hearing within 30 days and that there is now, I, I love this part, an independent appeals process within the IRS for the citizen. Isn't that kind of like the IRS investigating itself? I'm not sure that provision is going to have very many teeth. But um, this bill is a good step in reducing the tyranny, and, and it is tyranny. I have been terrified of this most of the years I've been in business. Okay, and what is this uh, legislation called? And it was just signed by the president, you said. Taxpayers first bill. I love uh, Senator Grassley said um, it makes the, uh, it puts the customer service back in the IRS. Although I don't (laughs) think that an entity that you do not have a choice in uh, has customer service, no matter what that's force. Yeah. Well, and so let's talk a little bit then about taxes though. I mean, I think that we all realize that there are some taxes that are necessary. uh, And in fact, uh, it's pretty concrete in the Constitution what the role of government is supposed to be. So we need to defend ourselves against, you know, outside sources that are trying to come in and and, uh, disrupt our lives. Uh, When they talk about the common welfare, um, I I need to get my words out exactly, but but they don't mean that we are offering welfare to people. No. But they're saying that we do things that benefits, whoops, benefits the the whole, whole, uh, the whole populace. Right. And uh, so it should be really, really limited. So I think we agree that there should be some taxes for that. But man, we've gotten so out of control with, we were talking about social security taxes, Mm -hmm. income taxes, property taxes, sales taxes, and then there's all kinds of hidden taxes. It's amazing to me that we're thriving and prospering as we are as a people. That's one thing about capitalism. It does always try to find a way. You know, uh, one of the interesting things in looking at the tariffs on China, and I'm, I'm not really a fan of tariffs, but one of the things that is happening is that businesses are finding other countries to move their um, production to. And that, I think, help balances things and help it helps balance the world somewhat. Yeah, because nothing is static. For every action, there is a reaction. Yep. And uh, and one of the things regarding tariffs, uh, I've had Brian Dimitrovic on, you know, he's written that book with Larry Kudlow, mm-hmm. uh, JFK and the Reagan Revolution, is early on on this whole thing with tariffs. Uh, he, he said what has been so interesting is, is, is that people are talking about it. Trump has been the first mm-hmm. president to get people to talk about it. I think many. And, and so when the narrative started and, you know, and people were like, oh, my gosh, tariffs are so bad. You saw the, you know, the media saying that. Yep. 
but the brilliant component of it is is because of that conversation it brought it shed light on the fact that these other countries have been charging tariffs on our products going into their countries and the implication was that was not the case. And so I, I know it's been quite a conversation, but the fact that we've had the conversation about it has really been a good thing. It's really good. Yeah, it helps people start to think about uh, the economy and economics, which um, we have had no economic training in our country at all. It, it's <laughs> abysmal. Um, but it, when these countries, uh, you know, the, the, the worry, the concern has been that uh, – China is such a big country, so many people, they can overtake so much. But when those uh, companies move to other countries, I think that creates some balance Balance. and stability um, and helps those smaller countries. Uh, And it will hurt China. Yeah, and and it'll help these other countries. It will. So because uh, China has taken this particular stand, uh, as you mentioned, people are creative and innovative, and so they're going to go to other countries, and it starts to spread the wealth, if you will. It will. So we've got, we probably have about three minutes left. Susan, what are some uh, kind of the final thoughts that you want to leave with our listeners today? And of course, one of them is be sure and go out for a fun evening with the family at 88 Drive-In Theater. And now that the days are getting shorter, uh, you're you're, uh, showing the movies earlier. Yep. You can get get out there and get all three movies in uh, much earlier. We're getting on the screen about 845, 835-ish. This is our second week of Lion King, so come on out and see that. Great picture. Um, You know, especially before you put the kiddies back in school, because boy, we're really close to school now. Getting close to school, that's for sure. So, okay, Susan Kochevar, owner uh, of the 88 Drive-In Theater, what would be uh, the final thoughts that you'd like to leave with our listeners today? Uh, This bill with the structuring um, really peels back an important part of the regulatory onion that I see our president working on pulling back while he's doing some other kind of shows, <laughs> crazy tweets, <laughs> crazy tweets and stuff, other words, other places. Um, there have been other um, regulations that he has been working to peel back or not staff um, the the bureaucracies that go out and do the investigations or the, the actual implementing of the ridiculous um, regulations. So uh, that that is a very com- important component to freedom and it helps save businesses a lot of money. Uh, Structuring isn't the only absurd thing in Well, that's for sure. And, you know, to that point, President Trump, uh, you know, he certainly seems like a bull in a china closet sometimes. (laughs) However, I had said to somebody that I really believe that he cares about everyday hardworking people. And so there was a recent time where he said, when they're coming after me, meaning President Trump, they're really coming after you. And so when they're coming after you know, him uh, on all these other things, what you're saying with this this law that was or this uh, bill that he recently signed is that he was really standing for us. Oh, for sure. And so I think it is true when when they're going after him, many times they're going after everyday hardworking Americans, no matter what your descriptor is, man, woman, gay, straight, black. Mm-hmm. Hispanic, everybody. It's everybody. They're coming after, coming after you for sure. So well, um, you figure he came up in New York, and even though his dad gave him some money, it's still very hard to keep and earn money. He came up in New York, and he's dealt with all the bureaucracies, all the building codes, all the unions, all the government. He sees the drag on business, and that 
drag on business has a gigantic ripple effect all the way down. It hurts everyone. And so he is standing for us. So Susan Kochevar, thank you so much for being in studio. And be sure and put 88 Drive-In Theater on your list of things to do before the kids get back to school. So today, our quote for is from John Marshall. He said, an unlimited power to tax involves necessarily a power to destroy because there is a limit beyond which no institution and no property can bear taxation. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America. 